Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to welcome everybody back to part two of our conversation with Kathy Caprino. Kathy is an internationally recognized career and executive coach, writer, speaker, and leadership trainer dedicated to the advancement of women in business. A finding brave expert and podcaster, she helps women build careers of significance and reach their highest potential. Kathy is a former corporate vice president and trained coach and marriage and family therapist, a senior Forbes contributor who offers career consulting executive leadership and communications coaching and training, as well as keynotes and workshops. And Kathy's new book, The Most Powerful You, Seven Bravery Boosting Paths to Career Bliss is now out. Let's continue our conversation with Kathy. Well, as a man, I will tell you that I've adopted a behavior where I am comfortable talking about what I'm good at because I want others to know so they can benefit from it. But I also always balance it with, and here's some stuff that I'm not great at, and I need others to be good at this, oh, right? That's so, lovely. Well, it's a good way to talk about what you're good at, which I think people should do, not because they're beating their chest and saying, look how fantastic I am. But it's important if you're on a team and you are fantastic at negotiation or you're fantastic at note-taking, you know, whatever the activity might be. Uh, we should know it because if you're fantastic at negotiating, then we're the one. You're the one that we want negotiating, right? But we wouldn't know it unless you told us that. And there may be some things that are of little interest to you, or you're just not good at. And please don't assign me to take notes because I hate taking notes. I won't take good notes. And you know, I'm always you- having to take notes. <laughs> oh, sure. I'm really good at it, actually. Can I? Can I have a follow up to that, Ed? Sure. So I'm not a fan of humility because women are overly humble. And I I totally get your your strategy, but I don't want women to do it. And here's why. What I'm talking about is not to become a narcissist. Hey, I'm so good at this. It's I call it the 20 facts of you. I mentioned that in my TEDx talk, Time to Brave Up. This weekend, I hope everybody listening will take a pad of paper and sit down and write down the irrefutable accomplishments you've made from age 16 on that no one can take from you, that you did it. It's fact. And then I want you to weave 
why that accomplishment is so important to you into what you say you do. So for instance, can I give an actual example for listeners? If someone says, why should we hire you, Kathy, as a coach? I'll say four things. Number one, I had an 18-year corporate career at a very high level, so I understand the challenges men and women face at a high level in corporate. Number two, I'm a trained marriage and family therapist. And what that means is I'm going to help you do a deep dive into who you are. It's not therapy, but if you're chronically unable to speak up for yourself, we're going to get to the root very quickly of where you got that, and we're going to help you unlearn it. Number three, I've written two books on women's issues. I I honestly believe, given having worked with thousands of women around the world, that I have lived and understand the challenges of professional women more than most people. Number four, I'm an entrepreneur. So I'm not just sitting in my jammies, you know, not not doing anything brave. I every day I gotta do something brave. I'm interviewing people that, you know, make my head explode. I'm so um awe struck, you know, millions of other things. So those are facts. And I does that sound like bragging to you what I just said? No, because I think all of us have facts or strengths that are clearly evident and we should know what they are. And so we are similar in that vein in that many of the people I work with, it's not that they can't think of them. It's just they've never been asked, you know, unless you're interviewing and someone says, what are your strengths? But, you know, they don't have time in their corporate lives to sit back. No company says, hey, I want you to take a half hour every week to sit in a conference room and think about yourself. And think about your strengths, your weaknesses, your career, your goals, your objectives, you know, whatever. It just doesn't happen. And so time passes, years go by, and someone says, what are your strengths? And, you know, maybe they think of a couple that are very topical, but they don't spend that time thinking about it. So I just want to go back, Kathy, to your story about the narcissist, as I'm sure many of our listeners probably work with or work for somebody who would be classified as a narcissist. And, you know, one of the important things to be brave at work, I believe, and this is based on the conversations I've had with many people like you on this podcast, is context, which is really making sure you know who it is you're speaking to and how they take in information and how they process information before you go in and just start saying stuff that, of course, won't play well. And so I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts or observations on, you know, context, really doing what you can. You may not know everything, but ensuring you're spending time role-playing or thinking about how will Kathy accept what it is that I'd like to share with her. I love this. And I'm so glad you're talking about this on your podcast and with clients. So I call it, it's the same thing. We just have different words. Understand your ecosystem. So now I didn't know what narcissism was, but I was a hundred percent sure he wouldn't take this well, (laughs) but they insisted so you, they would, insisted that you say it, that I go directly to him. They wanted it on record. What I should have done is gone to a lawyer, Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I interviewed Tom Spiegel in my book, former federal prosecutor about, you know, he focuses now on women who've been wrongfully fired or mistreated or abused or sexually harassed. Um, and in that job, I was sexually harassed as well. But I didn't feel I could tell anyone that. And I would have been pushed out. Yeah, well, I should have gone to a lawyer. And what what I should have done, and you know, I don't really believe in regret at all. We are who we are, and it makes us who we are. But what I sh- I had so much bad stuff going on there. I sh- I had a friend who was an employment uh, a lawyer, and later after I got laid off, I asked her, 
do you have anybody who I should speak to? And she said, not me, because I support employers. You should speak to a lawyer. And and she gave me a great guy. And I want to tell you, it ended very well for me. Uh, but I knew that this wasn't going to go well. What, Where I was the passenger, I'm going to use this metaphor, I love it, and not the driver, is I should have taken control and accepted that I hated this job. Stop trying to make, stop trying to turn the Titanic around. And that's another thing about what you're saying about, I use ecosystem, you said context. You cannot turn around by yourself a work culture that is sick and toxic and full of narcissism and full of sexual harassment. You're not going to do it. So what I would suggest is see a lawyer. And what Tom says is why women won't do this is in their minds, they think if they see a lawyer, it's going to cost thousands of dollars and they're going to gear up for years long battles in court. It isn't that. It's that you're going to talk to someone who's heard these stories two billion times and they're going to give you a perspective. They're going to say, maybe, maybe you're not going to win in court, but I'll write you a letter on your behalf because this is not copacetic. And what is it that you want? And for some people, they just want to leave, but they want to be f- paid fairly. They want, they don't want to lose their bonus. So I think that most of us do know when it's dangerous. We just don't want to admit it. Well, we don't want to admit it or we avoid it, right? I mean, we're never, we're not trained in junior high or high school or college on how to navigate conflict. It's probably never even discussed. And maybe there's a special school that has a class on conflict navigation, but it's in the uh, rarity and not common. And then you're put into a leadership or management role. And on your first day, it's, hey, Kathy, we need you to terminate Ed. And you're like, what? I mean, I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know, you know what's it, right? I mean, we're, we're thrust into these conflict-based situations. And I do believe that's one of the negative influencers to bravery. So I do want to ask you, Kathy, as you think about your seven power gaps in your book uh, and women in the workplace, and this may be an unfair question. And if it is, just say, hey, Ed, that's an unfair question. That's okay. You know, are there two or three things that women could do or start thinking about that puts them in more of a direction to be braver at work? Yes. So interestingly, when I did this survey in 1100 people answered. I asked them, you know, which ones, yes, no, or maybe are you experiencing these? And to me, a maybe is a yes, because they, they, if you think you have it, you have it. And interestingly, there were a few responses, you know, when I look at the percentages who have most of these, some of them were not as high as I know them to be. And that's because we just don't recognize it. So that first one we talked about, if you don't understand what you're fantastic at, you are leaving money on the table. You're not doing the work you should be doing. So we talked about that. The two that got an enormously high percentage uh, was power gap number three, reluctance to ask for what you deserve, 77%. Mm -hmm. Are reluctant to ask for for what what they they deserve. deserve. And it's twofold. I don't even know what I do deserve, and I sure don't know how to ask for it. And so about a, a, a thousand and odd number were women, because right. you mentioned 85 were That's men right. earlier, right? So, okay, got it. Um, and, uh, you know, I do in the book quote some research that for each of these gaps that I fell off my chair. Here's an example. In one, st- I'm sure you've heard of it, in one study, they looked at men and women right out of business school. 
57% of the men negotiated their very first salary and 7% of the women. And in Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, she says, I think it's her brother. She she got the offer for COO of Facebook and she was going to take it at the money Zuckerberg gave. And he's like, are you crazy? What? <laughs> Nobody does that. She goes, really? Nobody does that. Well, we're not trained to do that. And the reason we're not trained is all these patriarchal reasons mm-hmm, that women mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. underground at age mm-hmm. at about age 12 or 13. You know, before that, we're really on par seeing ourselves as leaders, raising our hands for plum projects, thinking we can go to the moon and be an astronaut, working in STEM. Starting at age 13, it all changes. And, and it really is different for boys. So, you know, what I do a lot of work with women on is and, and it's subtle, Ed, like, you know, I'll have a client management consultant and she's rocking it, but perhaps she's not bringing in the clients that are generating the millions that they're pushing her to do. So that makes her feel less than that makes her feel unaccomplished to your point. Um, so when you feel like that, you don't even think you deserve anything. But what we have to do is tease out exactly what do I want? Why do I want it? And, you know, I talk about how we ask for promotions. It can't be about you. I don't know. I think I deserve a promotion. It's got to be about how that promotion is going to help the organization do what it needs to do. And so you have to frame it and build a case that isn't just about your emotion. It isn't at all about your emotions. So that's a huge one. Another one, 76%. Uh, have this one, power gap number six, losing sight of your thrilling dream for your life. I mean, that breaks my heart. But of course, I've had all of these gaps. And my first book, Breakdown Breakthrough, was the 12 hidden crises working women face. I had all of those too. But that losing sight of your your dream for your life, it, it looks like this. I, I was so excited out of college. Like for me, um, I was an English major, studied in London for a year. I loved ideas and books and I wanted to be an editor and help authors birth their ideas. So back then, you know, we typed out our resume and cover letters and I sent them out and I, I got this job offer, a marketing job. It was the crappiest job in the world. I took it because I thought I have to make money. I bailed. I bailed on the dream and two weeks into it, Ed, I got a letter. Your resume looks very interesting from Bantam or Simon and Schuster. I forget which one, the, you know, one of the best in New York editorial assistant. We'd like to have you come in. And what does Kathy say? I can't do that because I, what would this job think of me? Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lo- I bailed two weeks after I left college. Mm-hmm. Actually, I went to the NYU Publishing Institute and I got all excited. I bailed two weeks <laughs> after that. And then there's, I just would love to close this loop. There's a million reasons we bail. We get older, we have children, we buy big houses or small houses. We need a 401k, we need insurance. So we begin to forget that we had a dream for who we were going to be. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I've read your book, The Most Powerful You, and I'm, again, not a scientist or a statistician, but, you know, I believe most of them, if not all of them, do apply to men. Now, maybe not to the same degree that uh, women may feel this way, but I'm just curious what your thoughts or observations are on that, because when you think about losing the dream for your life, I don't think necessarily that's a gender-based attribute. It may not, it may vary by gender. Right. So it's not something that no men do. And every man achieves yeah. his life dream. Uh, you know, Hollywood movies tend to be about the guy who, you know, 
quits his job and goes off to be a coach or something and lives his life dream. Uh, you know, I think men experience many of these as well, Kathy. I agree with you. And, you know, the reason I can't give the numbers is there's not a statistically significant number of men who've responded 85 mm -hmm. versus, you know, 1100. Um, but you know, what I, what I'd love to do is keep going with the survey and really implore men to, to answer these. But if I had to guess, and I promise I'll come back on when I have more data from the men, <laughs> um, I think that the losing sight of your thrilling dream, if I had to guess, I think men feel this very acutely. I mean, I have a grown daughter and a grown son as uh, you know, my children and, you know, I'm a feminist. And so you'd think that, um, a lot of these rigid gender stereotypes wouldn't apply to my kids. But I even see it when I look at my son versus my daughter. My uh, daughter's 26, my son is 23. I think that it gets in that boys are taught very early on what is the job that you're going to get out of, out of college right away. So my son's a financial analyst, but thankfully he's gifted in math and gifted in numbers and loves it. So it wasn't something he was pushed to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas I do think my, I don't know, I've never really talked to my daughter about this, but I feel like there's not such a rigid gender rule that you're going to be the breadwinner, uh, you know, for a woman. Um, mm -hmm. And I think men have told me, I've worked with some wealthy men and, and they're way down the path of making a lot of money and they hate it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but that gender rule applies to them that you have to be a great breadwinner. So I think that certainly men have these gaps. Well, perhaps you'd be uh, welcome to come back at some point to talk a little bit about gender rules, because I think that's a huge influencer and in many ways a subtle influencer into what we experience professionally and personally and how we're raised and brought up you know the old boys go outside and play in the dirt with uh, cowboys and soldiers and girls have to stay inside in their little pink dresses and play with dolls and that's how it is right and you know those rules get created and then other girls are like that so girls get attracted to that and other boys are like that so they get attracted in that fashion you know kathy i'm just wondering as we close out our conversation you know do you have one tip or solution or activity people can do to really think about how to be braver at work Oh, thank you. Two things. And I don't know if you can link to these, but I do have this career path assessment that just if you complete it, it's 11 pages of questions I wish someone had asked me. We can put it on the posting when we put out the uh, uh, the podcast. Right. Wonderful. Take that. Take a few hours. Fill that out. The other thing is the my power gap survey, which is 15 minutes, and it'll tell you if you're experiencing any of the gaps. And, you know, I think it can be life changing once we recognize this. And these, uh, both of these questionnaires are for men and women? Yep. Right. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, yep. great. Well, Kathy, it has been fantastic talking with you. You are a wealth of knowledge on this topic, just as I knew you would be. Thank you, Ed. You too. So, You've already given me some new metaphors and framework <laughs> and words to use. I love it. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Take care. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore Being Brave at Work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. 
And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. And I do want to remind you about Kathy's new book, The Most Powerful You, Seven Bravery Boosting Paths to Career Bliss, which is also available everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.